0: You can prepare really well. You can plan as much and control as much as you possibly can, but there will be some some things that happen that aren't necessarily within your control and sometimes, um, yeah, the four years of preparation for that one event um, may not feel justified in, in the athlete's eyes and I guess witnessing that made me think if I want to continue on this pathway. I really want to make sure I'm enjoying the process and celebrating the successes along the way.
1: How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose?
0: In a world where the constant focus
2: is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings.
1: And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is what's right within.
2: Jesse, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. What's been happening with you?
0: Well, um, it's one of those days actually where Billy's sleep and everything's just working out. He fell asleep about fifteen minutes ago, and yeah, I'm here and <laughs> I've got two free hands, and I'm uh, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. It's um pretty wet and wild out there today but I mean I'm feeling very grateful for the situation we're in you know we're able to sort of get out and about still at the moment so I guess I'm just really enjoying the good things in every day and not thinking too far ahead at the moment because I'm not quite sure what my next race goal is so just doing my best to stay fit and healthy so that when an opportunity does present itself I can take it with two hands
2: (laughs) yeah So you've had a couple of races recently and obviously um, you're on the comeback from having little Billy. How have they been for you?
0: Um, Yeah, look, I've really enjoyed the um, domestic season here. So we've had uh, four events um, that I've been involved with. So it started with a four kilometre cross country, which is uh, short and sharp, and that was sort of the first major race I'd done since, or major <laughs> um, key race I'd I, done. It's since major when video. you
2: when you're coming back from having a baby. <laughs> that is, is true. Major. Yeah. How did you? What, you tell love. me about your pre-race. <laughs> I want to know about pre-race nerves and like the week leading up. What was going through your mind in your first race? Yeah, after pregnancy. Yeah.
0: Well, look, I was nervous, so I'd um. Given birth to Billy in November, um, I'd gradually eased back into training, I guess, and by six weeks was doing some running. And then by late January, I was like, I'd like to target a marathon and um, chose the um, Hamburg Marathon, which was due to take place in late April. So started to plan that trip and was really sort of gearing up towards um, a marathon and then the plans all changed with everything that happened and we, we didn't end up going over to Europe and I didn't race. And so I took a few weeks off and then started building up the fitness again. And then this race presented itself in June, the four kilometre inter club cross country. <laughs> and um, I did get nervous. I, I hadn't raced. Um, in spikes for years so uh, I put them on hoping that my feet would uh, hold hold together and, uh, <laughs> yeah no it was um, it was really cool actually the best um, atmosphere we've had out at local events and it's continued to grow with with every event and um, Athletics SA are doing a great job of sort of Um, sending out all of the information we need to know regarding the guidelines and we've had um, most of the meets at the Victoria Park race course and yeah it's a nice little course with undulations and camber and you know soft spots and it certainly tests the legs out Um, I had that real burning lung feeling during the race and finished as if I would just you know, finished um, a major championship. Um, the, the, um, oh, the relief, the, the post-championship <laughs> let down. Yeah. Well, I didn't know how my body would go with that sort of stimulus, like whether I'd completely lose my form and, you know, end up with a forward lean like I've never seen before or, you know, and how I'd pull up. But it was all okay. So my training, it sort of prepared me well but the warm-up was pretty relaxed because my some of my key competitors are my two training partners so um we warmed up together and and that's been the case for all of the races but i really got i guess excited for the recent 10k road state championships um that became a big focus for me because i could sort of compare a time to something i'd done before and absolutely loved that race um and yeah, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity to get out on the roads. It's kind of where I feel at home. I grew up running cross country, but there's something about running on the road. You just feel efficient and yeah, yeah a bit you feel a bit
2: freer. And yeah. I mean, this this year has looked a lot different to, for everybody. But I mean, you're planning, I'm assuming, to go in the to have a crack at the Olympic qualifying time in Hamburg, and then mm. so is you know, I guess much smaller races are uh, I guess a a much better way of of building up in terms of coming back from such a long layoff. How did you feel when you know the Olympics were postponed?
0: It was an unusual feeling. Um, We were spending some time with Dylan's family um, in the country when that sort of news came up on TV and I guess at the time I'd had to let go of that dream of trying to run an Olympic qualifier because there was this short period where the qualification um, window was about to end and there were actually no races even domestically so in my mind I I knew that I'd be um, watching the Olympics on TV which You know, I I was still very excited for the girls that um, were on the team. I'm friends with, um, you know, all three of the girls that were probably going to go to Tokyo. So when the news came out that it was being postponed, I guess I was excited about the new opportunity. But I was also really feeling for the people who had their hearts set on going to to Tokyo and competing this year mm-hmm. um, because I know how much of an emotional build-up there there is as well as mental and, you know, physical. And yeah. so I guess for me it was um, probably, yeah, nowhere near as um, stressful as it would have been for others um, to know that, you know, the situation's completely changed. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's certainly an unusual time, but um, I feel very fortunate that I've got Billy and he sort of, you know, as you know, with Sunny, they, they take up a lot of energy and they just bring so much happiness in, you know, into your life. So whatever challenges present themselves now, you've always got this little smiley bundle at home to put things into perspective. <laughs>
1: Hey, um, Jess, I'm, I'm really interested to hear about you know, talking about the Olympics. What, what were the Olympics to you growing up? Like, did you grow up always having your sights set on becoming an Olympian? Or I, I do know that you played quite a few different sports. So um, I'd love to hear what, they, what they, the Olympics have meant to you.
0: Yeah, look, I had a real fascination with the Olympics. I remember just being a big sports fan and every four-year cycle there'd be a, um, you know, a school project on the Olympics. And I I just remember being really um, excited about watching them on TV, particularly the gymnastics. Um, I really enjoyed watching that as a young girl and the swimming. And I vividly remember Susie O'Neill when she won her gold medal and just her vibrant smile and, I guess Grace, and she was a real role model. I just um, had this desire to go to the Olympics and and be like her. So I guess that continued through um, and into the lead up to the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. And, you know, being on home soil, I really wanted to try and find a way to be there. So I remember entering every colouring in competition and whatnot. Um, There was this competition where you had to like design a big poster and i was entering them all because you know there were opportunities to win tickets and i remember mum and dad helping me i came up with this design of the sydney harbour bridge and i was like this is it like i'm, I'm going to win these olympic tickets with this one and i i didn't get get far with it but um Perfect. then in the final ballot <laughs> <I've> <laughs> mum seen, and dad i've, I've seen actually. you draw <laughs> i've
2: seen you drawing You're quite the artist
0: uh thinking back now this was a pretty obscure sort of thing I'd come up with but anyway (laughs) we um in the final ballot mum and dad actually put an application in and um we ended up getting tickets um to the swimming tennis basketball and athletics and it was a dream come true like I I can't describe that um excitement when mum I think was on the phone. She just had a phone call to say, you've got tickets. And my sister and I like grabbed each other and we're dancing around in circles. And we went off as a family. We drove to Sydney, camped along the way and found a caravan park an hour out of Sydney. And that was good. The first Olympic dream um, had come true. I got to go to the Olympics and then I guess it was what I saw there that sort of ignited my, I guess, desire to, go to the next level and be there myself when I watched Benita compete. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And what age were you um, then? Were you you talking, you were at at school at the time?
0: Yeah. So I would have, I think the Olympics would have been in maybe August and my birthday's in August. So I would have been 12 or 13, but Mm -hmm. um, I remember school cross country was three kilometres. And so seeing the girls running five K's, I thought that was pretty insane. I was like, that's very repetitive you know, 12 and a half laps at the yeah. track. <laughs> and when Benita came into the stands afterwards, I was like, Abby, my sister, there's there's the Aussie girl. And we are like madly waving our tickets and um, she came up and said hello and signed my ticket and I was ridiculously starstruck. And um, anyway, I really um, admired Benita from that point onwards and so it was very special to line up with her for the marathon in 2012. London Definitely. that's amazing 12
2: <laughs> years later you lined up to run at your first Olympics
0: yeah.
2: with, with Benita,
0: yeah
2: and it ended up being B's B's swan song that's incredible yeah
1: what was that moment like for you when you're you know you're lining up realizing your dream with the person you looked up to you know 12 years earlier
0: yeah it was very surreal um I guess yeah it was overwhelming for one just being at the Olympics I remember the morning of the the marathon it just bucketed down and we all sort of you know were huddled up um under the shelter near the cool room and then we were called out to the to Paul Mall or like where the start line was and I mean I saw my mum and dad in the crowd and waved and then huddled in next to Benita and Lisa and yeah kind of it it did feel like a dream until that gun fired and off we went. And I sort of tried to stick in with Benita and Lisa um, for the first kilometre or two, just to, I guess, feel a sense of familiarity and um, find my rhythm. And it was, yeah, an amazing experience. I really made the most of the opportunity at that first Olympics to just soak up as much as I could from the girls around me. And um, I learned a lot from both um, Benita and Lisa at that Mm. Games.
1: Mm. what have you learnt from those those times when you've you've been out there on the mm. world
0: you do learn a lot and I mean talking earlier about my um thoughts on the Olympics growing up I really um saw all of the positives um I don't know I'm sure they shared stories on TV of the setbacks but all I noticed was the excitement you know the the medal winning performances mm. and the highs and so when you're actually in there living it sure they there are so many um, unbelievably amazing things that you see and experience. And in the village, just the, I remember the the buildings and the team flags and just seeing the different athletes walking around just blew my mind. But I was also struck by the, um, I guess, um, the emotion in the village and um, it's a very intense environment and, um, you know, both extremes of emotions, but the the sadness that I witnessed as well when athletes returned from their event, having not um, performed as they'd hoped. And obviously, yeah, not everyone can be a winner. Um, but I even, you know, within my um, team, just chatting to some people left um, some days just feeling heartbroken and, you know, realising that, you can prepare really well. You can plan as much and control as much as you possibly can, but there will be some some things that happen that aren't necessarily within your control. And sometimes, um, yeah, the four years of preparation for that one event um, may not feel justified in, in the athlete's eyes. And I guess witnessing that made me think if I want to continue on this pathway and and aim for Tokyo uh, aim for Rio in 2016 I really want to make sure I'm enjoying the process and celebrating the successes along the way because that big event doesn't always mm. pan out as, as it envisaged
1: <laughs> yeah and well, that's such a powerful point that we we often talk about you know on, on the show is like process over outcome and and kind of finding joy in the process what what are the mm-hmm. things about the process of being an athlete that you find the most joy in or or how have you kind of taken that approach of of really relishing the process
0: yeah it's funny i um i read something the other day actually a, a quote that was something along the lines of um you know write down what makes you happy and um, write down what you do in a day and and those lists should align sort of thing and I I thought you know I'm actually not doing too badly in that department because what makes me happy is definitely you know interaction with positive people and my my family and loved ones food I I really enjoy good food (laughs) Um, and just going out for a, a coffee and just having that moment to just Mm-hmm. reflect on things you know if I've got my training journal there that doesn't happen so much as a mum now but I used to you know sit and fill out my training journal now I'm generally I'm um, bouncing Billy and trying to stop him from swiping my coffee off the table but um it's just I I love the outdoors and nature and I love that feeling of I guess overcoming a challenge and um yeah I guess that self-satisfaction that comes from accomplishing something um, generally each morning. I love to train in the morning and it just sets me up for the day ahead. I, I just feel really positive after having that little opportunity to, I guess, on a recovery run, um, let my mind wander and just enjoy the scenery. And then in an intense session, um, I get that real kick out of having pushed through some discomfort. So yeah. uh, they're the process
2: that I love. <laughs> I've seen that in you, Jess, some of my, I mean, one of my favorite things is to watch you run a marathon and one of <laughs> the vivid memory, and I've actually got a photo of it too, um, of, of you coming by us at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in 2018, where you won the bronze medal and you had, you were smiling and you were not halfway <laughs> in the race. I reckon you were about the 19K mark, which is like, st- you know, you, you were working hard, but you just had this this smile on your face and I'm thinking she's really just leaning into this, and she's, she's <laughs> enjoying this, and she's you know she's taking the pain and enjoying it, and and I think that that's um, you know one of the most remarkable things that you do is when you when you race a marathon like that is that I've seen you um, yeah lean into the pain and, and actually take joy from that.
0: I guess you do have to embrace it because you know, it's going to come at some point. And that's what I get most nervous about with any race. I'd like to be able to know, I guess in advance that when it hurts um, and when my body's telling me um, it wants to stop, that I'm going to choose to fight. Like you just, you know, you've done it before and you know, you can do it, but that's what makes me nervous. Just knowing that in the race, you've got to make that choice to fight. And, um, in that particular race at the 2018 um, Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, it it came hard. That desire to stop. It was at about 37 kilometers, and I I really wasn't sure if I was going to finish. But that run was, I guess, with a lot of heart because of the the Australian supporters out there and whatnot. Um, but that's yeah, one of the um, most powerful desires to stop that i felt in a race because i think the heat and whatnot all caught up with me but it's so satisfying afterwards when you you do know that you've been able to pull yourself through that much discomfort
1: (laughs) yeah and how like take us into that that moment when you know your your body's screaming at you saying stop yeah and you know there's that battle between the you know, how how you know you're probably gonna feel afterwards about yourself from persevering mm-hmm. versus pulling out. Um, how do you stay in it? Like what do you practically do in those moments?
0: Um, before we go into that, Billy's also screaming at me right now. I'm just gonna <laughs> oh, scoot oh, upstairs great. and grab him. Is it okay oh, if I just yeah. put this on hold for a second? <laughs> yeah. And then I'll talk about my body screaming. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. I guess in the earlier stages of the race, I treat it um, very much like um, my body's just a vehicle. I've just got to fuel it every five kilometres. I sort of, you know, take a moment to, to smile and wave at, you know, family and friends <laughs> in the crowd and really just enjoy the, the atmosphere because the first, you know, 21 kilometres generally aren't um, too arduous. Um, you just really... Oh, sitting to- on the bus. <laughs> that's the right the bus snack every five kilometers. You have a snack.
1: <laughs> I'm sure for most <laughs> I, our listeners, that's not <laughs> sitting on the bus snacking. But anyway,
0: I actually genuinely get excited for my snacks every five kilometers, though, because I um I change the flavors, and so I'm like, oh, I've got Benoffi pie coming up at five k, and then it might be apple crumble at ten k. Um, you know, yeah, that's um, uh, the brand I was using then. Anyway. But um, by sort of 35 kilometres when it's getting a lot tougher, I switch between two head spaces, I guess. So there's the emotional side where I'm thinking about, okay, why am I running? You know, what are the opportunities here? One, you know, to, I guess, um, generate a lot of happiness and excitement, not just for myself but my loved ones who, and, you know, my team who have helped me. I really do enjoy that feeling of, I guess, seeing the excitement that um, I can create for for all of those people. Um, I think of the young kids who have, you know, sent me messages, cards um, and, you know, have done school projects or um, I guess I've spoken at some schools and you hear their questions and I just love that I'm kind of representing all of those people when I run. And I I do think of those things at stages, in the race to keep me motivated but then I'll also switch to that other I guess mindset of okay what do I need to do here to stay efficient and do a bit of a a, a body check like I've heard you speak about Elsie, where you sort of relax your shoulders think about um whatever I need to do really to offset any soreness that I'm feeling at that time if it's my you know Carbs that might be hurting, I'll think of another muscle that I can activate to try and um, Mm. ease the stress on those. And so I'm switching between a very emotional headspace to more of a methodical, let's be efficient and just um, think about the process of, you know, getting one foot in front of the other. And in that, sometimes I do a little bit of visualization as well. Um, Certainly in that Commonwealth Games, I had done a lot of my training with a. team tempo training partner, Max Stevens. And so I was wow. visualizing him just ahead of me and thinking, okay, stay on his shoulder, mm. you know, imagining his voice, encouraging me and whatnot.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, you're touching on some really um, great stuff there with visualization, but also um, the shifting of perspectives and also knowing why knowing you're there why. in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm. maybe if we could just double click on, on your why, like what mm-hmm. where have you found purpose in running and and being an athlete and has it changed as you've progressed in your career
0: I'd say it has changed actually my childhood dream was actually to um, play netball for the Thunderbirds which is the South Australian I guess state netball team I grew up in a country town called Narra and netball was um, a huge passion of mine and I um, followed the netballers closely, so I wanted to be an athlete of some form, I think, because I just love the team camaraderie and how being active makes me feel, and um, as time went on, I guess I progressed to a certain level in netball and then wasn't um, making it to that next stage, which um, running had appeal to me at that point because uh, you can control your destiny a bit more. There are more objective outcomes. It's not as subjective, and you can really see your process clearly. So at the age of 21, I decided to switch over to um, running as my primary focus and stopped playing netball. And um, I don't, I guess my why at that point was just to explore my potential and to just see um, how far I could go with it. My um, brother and sister were both achieving their big sporting goals in, um, in football and rowing respectively and I wanted to be able to look back one day and know that I'd sort of reached my potential in a sport. So I didn't think too much beyond just setting myself little goals and trying to tick them off and love the way it made me feel. But in more recent times I've thought about it a little bit I guess on a deeper level and, and my why probably has changed now. Like I'm thinking more about being a role model and um, showing Billy a way of life that I think is really fulfilling and, and healthy and um, not just Billy, but um, you know, family, friends, um, the, the general community. And it's a platform to, to have a positive influence and um, you know, there are, things going on in the world that um, are pretty challenging, particularly this year. And I just think sport's such an incredible... Um, well, it provides opportunities to to feel positive, um, you know, about every day and um, obviously helps to develop resilience and some of those skills too that can help you through these um, challenging times. And it also brings people together. So I'm a huge advocate for, for sport and by participating in sport at a higher level I think you can really spread those messages in a pretty powerful way.
2: Yeah. And I mean you've talked so much just now about the the positive things around sport but what what's been the the most challenging parts about being an athlete for you and and how have you overcome them?
0: Yeah, um certainly there are challenges as well and I think um sometimes when you're in you know when you pass those Hard times, you, you forget how, you know, dark they were when you were in the thick of them. Um, so times that stand out um, to me were the, the lead up to the 2014 Commonwealth Games when I had my first bone stress injury. And I just remember this one morning, I was living with my mum and dad at the time and um, they'd both gone to work and I was in the shed, which has no natural light. It was just this dark um, carport shed and um, my sister's old rowing ergo was in there. And I remember I just found out my diagnosis and I was, you know, on the rowing ergo. I had a really sore um, butt from the, the seat. Like I wasn't conditioned to sitting on a rowing ergo for 40 minutes. So I was really uncomfortable in every way. I was bawling my eyes out thinking if my feet are no good and aren't made out for, you know, marathon training and I'm told I can't run anymore, like, I'll have to look into another sport like rowing is maybe an option and then I'm like but I I hate rowing (laughs) I just just remember being so emotional Mm -hmm. and eventually I became more conditioned to the rowing ergo and I did actually use that a fair bit in my my cross training but that was a really hard time for me because I my mum and dad had made sacrifices and you know I guess, um, put themselves under the pump to buy tickets, to go over there to watch me race. And, um, I thought, what if I'm not even racing? And, you know, I remember coming home one day and Mum had stuck a note on my mirror saying, um, bellies, which is what they call me. Like, we love you so much, whatever happens. And we're excited to travel over there and watch the games regardless of, you know, whether you're competing. And that just really took the pressure off me to know that they were excited to, to go anyway. And, um, yeah, I had some really, I guess, special mentors through that um, phase, my brother being one of them as well, who had a major injury. And I think just the the most important thing he told me was to focus on one day at a time. And whenever I'm going through a bit of a a period where I'm feeling overwhelmed by my longer term goal, I, I have to just bring it back to the present day and set myself really immediate goals like today I'm going to do this and yep yeah, I've ticked that off and so you feel like you're making progress and not thinking too much about the, the big goal and I guess another challenged challenging time for me was the 2016 Rio games when um, I actually I tripped on a hurdle in my final session before the race so uh, we'd traveled to the track for this final Thursday session which really wasn't much of a session um, just a few 30second efforts but due to security concerns or something we weren't allowed to venture out so I was trying to run on a tiny little grassy patch on the outside of the track and yeah tripped fell on a hurdle and um gouged my quad and I just remember looking down and seeing a fair bit of blood and noticed it was pretty deep and went off to medical and they patched it all up and I was seeing the nurse a couple of times a day to have it redressed and didn't really get to run much in the lead up to my race on the Sunday um, and I was quite nervous that it could derail me during the race um, because I hadn't been able to test it out and I didn't know if the muscle had been affected. Um, So I guess that was I guess one of those unexpected little curveballs that get thrown at you because I'd had a, a longer term injury leading up and I'd got my head around that and I was all positive and excited about the race and then sort of had that little one to deal with. But in a sense, I kind of lined up and felt at peace with, you know, whatever happens here is is going to happen and let's just Mm -hmm. really run to feel and not expect anything. And um, it was a really tough race, but I just, I was so satisfied when I finished um, because, yeah, there'd been those little hurdles along the way. And, you know, if that hadn't happened and I'd finished, four places higher, I may have felt disappointed with that result. I think the way you feel is so um, specific to the the lead-up and...
2: I, I mean, you mentioned the 2014 um, lead up and being in a, a dark shed and, but going mm. from there to winning or to, to achieving the bronze medal in the marathon. And one of my favorite yeah. favorite memories of you is cheering you on in that last couple of hundred meters. When you, when you chased, chase down, uh, you're in fourth um, with a few K to go and chase down to, to get the bronze and, you know, from going from that the, the darkness of that shed and that mm-hmm. emotion, and um, would you would you would you say that your family support was one of the key factors that that got you through that time and and helped you overcome and, and believe that I guess anything is possible.
0: Absolutely, and I think partly that's because they're in my why. When I think about why I do what I do and what brings me so much happiness, like I know that. My parents and, and my family have been so supportive of me throughout my whole life in whatever I've wanted to do. And I can see that when I'm happy, it it makes them so happy as well. And and during that really dark time when they were just like, you know, whatever, we just want you to be happy and we, we love you regardless. It just, I don't know, it's um, it really brings you closer, um, I think, when when you you get around each other during the challenges and and the highs and I think having my brother there to chat to who he'd been affected a lot by his foot injury because um I think he, he essentially sat out two AFL seasons and he was told that he may not be able to run at all it was a really nasty fracture so again it gave us another little um I guess, opportunity to connect in a different way and strengthened our relationship. And we know we just get each other now and anything that happens in life, I feel like we can understand each other at a much deeper level because we had those conversations. So, you know, sometimes you you look back and think, well, as hard as it was at the time, I'm just so happy that that happened when it did. It was almost meant to happen at that time and um, taught me some valuable things that again, made say that Rio experience much easier to deal with when I, I didn't have, you know, everyone there um, in that moment when I you know, tripped on the hurdle and had a few days to prepare. I'd, I'd kind of developed the resilience from those years earlier to be able to manage that situation.
1: Mm. Yeah. And there, there's sort of two places I want to go here. So um, maybe we'll, we'll try to do them one by one. But in that in those few days leading into the race when you weren't able to train the way you would have otherwise, um, because of the, the gouge in your leg, um, how, how did you manage your mind in that time In those, those few days?
0: I mean, the natural tendencies for you, your thoughts just to snowball and sort of you think of the the worst case scenario I kind of had to try and not think and just go through the process so the nurse would say to me um come and see me at this time and, and this time each day so I'd have my schedule there you know um I'd have my hydration test each morning with the doctors and then I'd go and see the nurse and then I'd have my um Schedule that I stick to, um, which basically outlines everything I'm going to eat each meal and the carbohydrate content. So I do quite a specific carbohydrate loading um, before the race. So I guess I just had to have almost every hour of the day planned out and just go through each process without thinking too much about race day and and what might happen. So again, it's sort of removing the emotion from it all and just ticking off each um, task as you complete it. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 That's, that's the power of being coming back to the process, right. And mm-hmm. the present, this next, this next task, this next thing, the, the second part I was really interested in is it's not lost on me that you changed main sports at 21.
0: <laughs> like mm-hmm. many
1: people would say that that's relatively late, in a kind of, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of 21 year olds out there who feel like if they haven't committed to their sport now that it's too late. But in that, I'm kind of getting the sense that your there's something about your family unit that enabled you to make the switch that enabled you to say, you know what, I'm I'm not defined purely by, you know, who I am as a netballer. Why don't I give this other thing a go? Like, is that that, um, close to the mark for you?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I guess um, I didn't see myself probably making it in running at a at a higher level. It was more just I wanted to see, you know, what I could achieve, and didn't really have any preconceived ideas about what that would be. So, I think with running uh, with netball, I I was really enjoying it, but I just felt like I'd maybe capped my, uh, you know, reached my potential in that sport, and. Yeah. Um, As I said, I was inspired by my brother and sister and my sister was with the Sports Institute for for rowing and she got one of those cool track suits and, you know, I I was pretty envious and she said I could borrow hers, but I I wanted to earn my own and I thought, um, what can I do to try and get one of those? Um, And I guess mum and dad, yeah, they, they were always really positive and supportive, but didn't sort of plant ideas in our heads about what we should be aiming for they just would wait for us to say this is what we want to do and they'd help us to try and find ways to you know make it to the trainings or or competitions and um, I think being a 21 year old maybe that meant that when I did start um, training I was just really mentally fresh and I had some Mm -hmm. of the strengths that netball had given me and that I was used to jumping and changing direction a lot and it probably helped with um my control and stability so that I was um less vulnerable to injuries in running and um yeah I I kind of I'm really happy that it worked out that way because I was also almost um finished I'd, I'd almost finished my uni degree um a bachelor of physio when I started running seriously so I kind of had that study under my belt and didn't have to stress too much about balancing placements with um running because I'd almost finished
2: <laughs> I mean running is especially distance running is especially a sport that you can you can pick up later on in life and, and do other sports I know I did like I tried everything when I was a kid and obviously i I chose running quite early on, Um, but it's something that you can pick up, you know, look at Sinead Diver, um, Mm. one of our Olympic qualified athletes for the marathon. And, you know, she's 40, I don't want to say the wrong number. I think she's 42 now. Um, But yeah, she's, she's incredible. And, and, and still. Yeah. Yeah. And, and many good years ahead.
1: And Mm. full disclosure, I'm the one in this conversation who hyper specialized early <laughs> only played one sport obsessively from about the age of eight and um, and eventually you know came to see that actually I could have gone about it a better way yeah, so right. I just want to put that in there for, but like you know mm-hmm. I, t- I totally understand that you know you have a dream and you want to pursue it you want to kind of put everything toward it and know that you're putting everything toward it but I think the main point here is that the things you learn from challenging yourself in any area are transferable across domains, yeah, you know, absolutely. what you learned to netball helps you with running, you know, so we don't have to, I think we, we want to challenge ourselves and, and see what's possible and, and learn and grow and test ourselves, but it doesn't have to be in one super narrow thing too early if, um, if there's other things that you're interested in.
0: Mm. so, hmm. And I think examples where early specialization really does help is perhaps in those real skill-based, specific skill based sports like maybe tennis and and golf and and gymnastics and whatnot, but certainly for runners. I mean Dylan, my husband's another example of someone who he made the transfer from soccer to athletics in twenty thirteen. So was that seven years, you know, he was twenty four or 25 or something Mm. um which um and he's an 800 meter runner so that's sort of probably a less common (laughs) scenario but um I think soccer is a great sport for developing you know an array of skills and and a level of fitness that helps you with running later in life as well yeah
2: Yeah. hey Jess you've obviously recently become a first-time mum And you have inspired many running mums and including me. And we've had some fun chats along the way about the challenges that we face um, coming back to running, running through pregnancy. But I want to know, I want to ask you what what's been the most challenging thing that you've come across being becoming a mum? What's been the most challenging thing as a mum and and how have you overcome that?
0: Um, until I guess in the first four months, I, I didn't think the sleep deprivation was much of an issue. I really, um, Billy was, was sleeping quite well. And at that point, it was more the logistics were the challenge. So trying to um, get out for a training run and, and organize someone to look after Billy during that time. So just, Suddenly, realizing it takes an hour to get from your house to the car. Um, By the time you do that last minute nappy change, you know, fill the nappy bag up with everything. Just all of the things you have to think about. Um, So, just making that adjustment to organizing someone to look after Billy and to get the pram in the car and whatnot. But in more recent times, the the biggest challenge has been the sleep deprivation. So. I've found that I'm forgetting things, I'm losing things, and that's been really hard. Like I've, I've lost a few valuable items recently. It's been really frustrating. <laughs> and, like, I'm just doing things that... What are we talking like about?
2: I, your car or your your running shoes? Surely not your running a, shoes.
0: A, it was a Garmin, a oh really God. good Garmin watch. I know. It still hurts, actually. It's a bit, a bit of Even a tender runner. point. But, um... <laughs>
1: They curled up. I
0: just can't, for the life of me, work out how I've lost it. But anyway, um, I was sending out some um, some orders. We have a running underwear business, and I. I actually got a return to sender thing. So I sent out a satchel full of underwear um, that didn't have a name or address on it, just the return to sender on the back and it had a little note from the postman, insufficient address. And I was like, that just says it all. (laughs) Oh, mate, that was for you. (laughs) I just look like Dylan's, you know, he's kind to me. He just had a laugh. But, yeah, just probably I'm hitting some really – intense points of fatigue some afternoons and doing some silly things and I'm lucky that I you know generally have the opportunity to train in the mornings and that's when I have the most energy but I can really hit some pretty um, intense um, yeah tired moments later in the afternoon and I think the hardest part is when you're in bed you know that you need to get up um, to feed your baby and you just you're an absolute zombie and um <laughs> <laughs> Will you settle them back to sleep and go back to bed thinking seeing if you know an hour and a half two hours buddy like you, you know that you're not going to get another big block of sleep but um it's honestly you know these tough times don't they're, they're really not that that bad I just I love motherhood so much and every morning when I go and um you know, see him in his cot. It makes all of those little challenges overnight worth it. He um, can get away anything with anything um, with his cheeky little grin. So um, yeah, this when you look at the big picture and what what's going on in the world, um, these little things don't don't matter much. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm um, speaking of big picture. Um, what's what's ahead for you? What are you you know? if if things went went really well over the next um however many years you want to put on that um what what are you hoping for what are you shooting for
0: well i'd still really like to um compete at another olympics Mm -hmm. um a dream of mine is also to try and win a, a gold medal at a commonwealth games um so they're my big my big dreams, uh, to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics, I'd need to almost run a personal best in the marathon, which is a really exciting situation to be in. Um, women's distance running is really strong at the moment. And, um, when I look back to 2012, I qualified with a, you know, a two 12, um, and this year you'd need to run faster than two twenty six twenty one 21 at the moment to qualify. So, uh, you know, it's a huge leap in, in a, um, 12 year period. So I think, you know, if I have the opportunity to run a marathon, um, probably early next year, that would be my goal is to run a personal best time and, and put myself in the mix, um, for the games, and then going forward, I'd love to, as I said, compete at another Commonwealth Games too with that that big goal at the front of my mind. So uh, I I guess in the lead up to those goals, would love to achieve personal bests over the five, ten and half marathon distances as well. I'm very driven by, I guess, um, improving my own time. So mm. I think that really helps me in a sport where there are sometimes some you know question marks over performances and whatnot it doesn't ever stress me out for too long because at the end of the day I do draw a lot of satisfaction from um, beating my own (laughs) times
1: I was gonna I was gonna comment on that because I I think there's it's a really great insight um, for us all about the you're searching for your you're exploring your own potential and and it sort of sounds like competition and um rivalry and things like that are a sort of accelerants towards your potential rather than sort of threats that mm. can get in the, your way does that resonate with you
0: yeah i'd actually not really thought about it that way but um it that is very true um yeah <laughs> i um i like that <laughs> it's, it's um certainly the way it probably is i mean i certainly am competitive still but even in training you know opportunities to sort of better myself and whatnot really excite me and I'd much rather train with others than than out on my own and mm. I think um, having come from a team sport as well I just I love the whole team aspect of you know exploring my potential but um, having a, a team there mm. to share the experience with um,
1: yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, well, are you, are you ready for Rory's rap?
2: I'm ready for Rory's rap. Aloise is ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> We're all ready for Rory's rap. Oh, wow. Take it away, Rory.
1: So Jess, it's so refreshing to hear your um how you've gone about it. Like I, I think you highlight so many important themes that we can all apply on our own exploration of our potential. You know, you from an early age, it seems that you sort of had a had a, a dream of what could be possible, and you've gone about exploring that with such curiosity and this sort of open open mind to see what could happen. And I think you know, you've um, you really represent what is possible when you have a crack. Um, you surround yourself with great people, and you you sort of connect purpose with. The people around you and how it makes them feel and what you can give to them through pursuing your best and doing it together and sharing the highs and the lows and drawing strength and encouragement from each other and, and i think that's that's really refreshing in terms of the fact that we can all as individuals pursue and explore our potential whatever whatever that looks like for you whatever kind of you know you've, you've gone about that in a couple of different sports um, and it sounds like you've gone about that in a really balanced way as well. And you know, when that exploration is 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 driven from what you're searching for within yourself, you know, such as I want to see what I can do. Can I just can I improve my best? Can I can I find that little bit extra? Um, there's a freedom in that mm-hmm. that enables you to experience joy in the process, and um, the joy from the process then obviously fueling your um, real resilience and your your consistency and kind of getting back up when it's hard. And, um, I just think you really highlight the fact that when we care about and contribute to the people around us, we all win, you yeah. know, <laughs> like we're so much better together and, you know, no one does it alone. No one, no one realizes their potential, uh, alone. And, um, and so just sowing into the people around you, um, rewards for everyone and um so yeah i just thank you for joining us and for really um embodying that spirit of curiosity and exploring exploring what you're capable of and doing that with real clear purpose and and a real kind of empathy along the way to to give to others even if they're your competitors you know i, I love that
0: yeah, thank you. I mean, one thing that really stands out in my mind, I have the clearest visual picture of it, was in the final 200 metres of the Commonwealth Games in 2014 when I saw Elsie on the corner um, do this fist pump. Like, I can still remember your arm coming up. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, go, Jessie. And I can, of all of the noise and the people in the crowd, like, you just popped out. And I can just remember that like just lit me up and I couldn't stop smiling the whole way down that home straight and that alone just um I guess that's that's why we do it isn't it like those moments um the
2: the I was at that I was watching on the big screen and I was watching it all unfold and because I still had to compete I was trying to I was trying to (laughs) press it And then when you you moved into third place, I just couldn't. It was bubbling up outside of me (laughs) when I saw you and I'm like, you're coming down the home straight. I was just, it was was one of the the best moments as a spectator of the sport that I've ever had. (laughs) And and to hear now, like I didn't actually know about, I knew that you'd been struggling a little bit with injury, but I, I didn't know to what extent, but to come back from, from that and to come back from as you said like a, a really dark place um and and go and win a medal that was was just incredible
1: <laughs> yeah nuts. I, I love how you go about a team uh, individual sport in a team first kind of way like you know there's yeah. so much we can learn from that and whatever it is whether it's you know it's an individual sport or a, a like a business sense or whatever it's like like teamwork, you know, and and sharing the journey as high as sharing each other's success. You know, I, I come from a cricket background, and there's always the cliche of um, you know celebrate celebrate each other's success. But then you, it's so it's so easy to kind of feel like oh they they scored runs today and I didn't, you know, like this sense of even within your own team, you're like comparing. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. constant. I think there's so much freedom that comes from like truly celebrating the success of, of, others on the journey. And you know, that doesn't take anything from you. That only, only adds to the joy and to
2: Yeah. Well, it helps you to believe what's, what could be
0: possible for you as yeah. well. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so mm. I just want to be respectful of your time. Um, so where can people follow along and support you on your journey?
0: Uh, well, I do like to um, share a fair few pictures from the journey and uh, of, of little Billy on Instagram. It's, um, what am I, at Jess underscore Tren. Mm-hmm. Still, still going with the maiden name there. It's a bit hard to change. Um, and then on um, Facebook, I think I'm just Jessica Trengove um, on my sort of more running updates page and um, and then on Twitter, I think I'm Jess Trengove. So they're sort of where I post regular updates, but I um, I have a website as well if, if anyone has inquiries and that's jessicatrengove.com.au and that's T-R-E-N-G-O-V-E. Um, little R tends to slip in there sometimes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Trengove. <laughs>
1: yeah, my um, what about the business? You got you mentioned before sending out mail to no one. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so it was the postman.
1: That's
0: right. His
1: hands on something. <laughs> what would he
0: do? Um, so that's at rundies underscore undies, and um, that's it just a side project for my husband Dylan and my brother Jack we started that up as a way to actually try and give back to the running community we'd love to be able to you know support some athletes and we've supported a couple locally with some not only underwear but some flights to races and whatnot so that's our way of hopefully being able to build something up that um gives us a platform to to help the sport out so uh if you're in need of some running undies or crop tops um yeah, you can find us at rundies.com.au. I can find that they
2: are they are great. They are very comfy undies. <laughs> <laughs> like a
0: yeah.
1: The perfect, perfect way to close out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will have to send you both some. I'll go see it up.
1: That would be great. I'll send you my address to see if you remember really it.
0: I'm never going to live
2: back. <laughs> <time. laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you so much Jess. We'll, um, we'll be cheering you on and um, hopefully there's more races to come.